business. Dirt, 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 dirt. I'm all about that. Dirt, 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 dirt. I'm throwing. Dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Gotta get back to I'm it. I'm a dirt trackaholic. Call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that. Dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that. Dirt. And welcome back to Throttled Up the Podcast and uh, Full House here tonight. Got a lot going on um, here at the the t-shirt shop and uh, excited uh, to get a chance here to sit down and talk with uh, none other than Brayton Laster, who has just uh, finished up one heck of a race uh, in the Arca Menard Series uh, there at uh, Daytona International Speedway, which I, I just have to say, before we even get into this, guys, I, I, I'm really kind of weirded out, I guess, or, or just like goosebumps that I just said we're interviewing a guy who just raced at Daytona International Speedway. Um Pretty freaking cool, man, and, and having him here in studio. So, Brayton, uh, I appreciate you being here, man. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, thanks for making the trip down. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was uh, definitely a longer journey than I thought, but pretty cool being here in person, first off, especially <laughs> after everything uh, the road's gone through the past uh, two years. So, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and for those who don't know, um, you know, it's it's a it's <laughs> – we're, we're a little uh, different than we have been in the past, obviously, just doing the audio side now, and we are live on Thirsty Goat Radio and the Thirsty Goat Radio app uh, on your iPhone, but uh, kind of crazy is we're in the t-shirt shop, man. I told you when you walked in, uh, we've got stuff going on all, all over the way. You guys came in, we had people counting baseball pants, and I got kids running around, and dinner, and so it. we don't look real professional, and that's probably because we're not, um, but... Uh, we still appreciate you being here, but I'm going to come right in with this, and we're going to go back and talk about all your history and how we got here and all this, but I'm going to come with the question that I've heard more from people getting ready for this podcast than anything else, and it's kind of what I hit you with right off the bat. What in the hell is it like to be at 185 miles an hour, bumper to bumper with somebody with another dude outside your door you can reach out and touch? So, yeah, especially there at Daytona. You know, I did a lot of practice. We did about 80 or 90 or so practice laps leading into the race from the practice in January and then practice down there on Thursday. But after the race, I said, if you put a piece of coal in between our buttocks before the race, it would have came out looking like a diamond. So there, there, there was a lot. What an idea to fund the race program. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I say there, it was definitely, Mom is definitely yeah. in on that idea. It, it was 200 miles of puckered upness, I would say. And anybody who is listening who would laugh at that or question that uh, has never been on I-65 when things get tight at 80 miles an hour, let alone 185 miles an hour. So That's how I practice, I uh, went around I-465 for a couple of laps, you know. <laughs> I was around rush hour, you know, just zoom on the far left lane, you know. It's perfect. So so let's go back. And, and you said there's a ton of butt puckering moments, but we, we obviously know, and, and I'm just going to, for those who may be listening that don't know, 
not only did you just go race mm-hmm. um, in the Arkham Menard series at Daytona, but finished P13, man. And, and you had a, a tremendous weekend the whole way. I know we kind of talked. All of us thought you really had a chance of possibly a top 10 finish, and you really had some, some runs going there late. But started 15th, qualified 17th. You were second fast qualifier for the first, correct me, six groups? Uh, first three groups. First six three car, groups. First six 18 car. cars. And then ends up P13, man, mm-hmm. in your first attempt at a super speedway. That is just dumb. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. That's dumb to talk about. Uh, that's no disrespect to you. Yeah. I just that is that is storybook stuff. So, kind of recap for us. What was the weekend like? Say so, yeah, we had a lot of doubters, and I don't blame them either. Going into the race weekend, you know, I'm a small kid from Greenwood, Indiana, from dirt of all places, and when you go to the asphalt side of things, dirt racers are definitely kind of looked down on, and a lot of people didn't think we we're going to do good. They thought we we're going to tear up a lot of equipment, and we went down there in practice, and we ended up P11 in practice on Thursday. Um, which is really cool. And then qualifying, didn't have such a great group that we really wanted, but we were fastest in our group. And for a while, we sat P2, which is definitely the highlight of our weekend leading up to that point. And going to the race, I never really had any practice in the two-by-two or even, you know, three-wide pack racing like that. Most, I only had four or five cars to practice with in the draft. So going out there on track with 36 other cars was a uh, real unique atmosphere I wasn't used to. And we went out there and the start of the race, I had a real rookie moment. I was uh, accidentally in fourth gear instead of second gear. And I went from 15th to 27th in about 150 feet. So definitely not a good start. And I spent the next 60 or so laps there trying to catch back up to the lead pack. And we had a couple cautions. And luckily I got hooked up early with Louis Mullins, my team owner, my teammate, and uh, Tim Richmond was also down there. Uh, 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 Arca Tim Richmond, not the uh, dead Tim Richmond. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that would have been a bigger story than even you being P2 would have been the other Tim Richmond, yeah. but... Uh. So, so, we got hooked up there really early on, and we started making some really good moves, and around halfway point, we were iron in the top 20 we're like oh, we're gonna have a good finish here we just keep our nose clean and we dodged a couple of wrecks really early on and that was just part of daytona's survival and that was not only my first you know arca menard series start or debut that was my first time really in an asphalt stock car other than you know 3200 pound stock cars in a flat fifth mile so it was a whole new world and you know the whole drafting and bump drafting thing and having somebody push you and they're going 180 100 85, 190 at some point we were going. It was just really different, and I had learned right there out of the gate or else we were going to fall back and not really have the run we wanted. So we got a pretty good group going with about 15 or so to go. We cut the lead pack after losing the lead pack, and there was about five or six of us, and we're moving into the top 10. And I'm sitting here thinking in my head, we have at least a top 15 finish if we don't screw up. But 15 laps to go at Daytona, in a race where there's 13 rookies out of 36 cars, and I'm hoping that nobody screws up. I think I would have lost the lottery on that one, and I made a move to the inside there, and we actually moved into the top 10 at one point, which is really cool, and we caught some lap traffic here with about seven, eight or so to go, and just kind of moved the momentum to the outside lane. We fell back to 14th, and then we got a late race caution, which I think hurt us more than it did help us. And we had a lot of lead uh, pack cars were running out of fuel with about four or five to go. 
and be pitted on the, one of the more recent costings. So we had four or five extra gallons and everybody else. So I'm sitting here, man, if the uh, next 13 cars could run out of fuel, that'd be great, you know? <laughs> I'm sitting here running P14 and took the restart with uh, the one lap remaining on the restart there. And I saw the white flag. I took a good long look at it because I did not expect to come back around and see a checkered flag. I said, if I was coming back, I would think it was probably going to be on a flatbed. And <laughs> we had a lot of puckered up moments through the race. And at one point, halfway through the race, we were three wide going down the back stretch, and someone started drifting up into me. And that was, Ooh, you know, real scary, especially as a rookie. People were racing, as, well, as my spotter put it, as jackasses. Because, um, <laughs> you know, we're 30, 40 laps in the race, and now we're here racing three wide, like it's for the lead in the day 2500 on the last lap. So. Going under last lap there, we really didn't tear up a whole lot of equipment. I mean, I think only four or five guys had wrecked at that point. Mm -hmm. And in the ARCA, we normally at least have one, if not two big ones. You know, I went back and watched a lot of the film there uh, in the years leading up to it. So I was expecting a lot of cars to go home on a flatbed or have to be um, lifted up into the toter home. So... Now, I, they saved all that for Xfinity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they had that later on Saturday night. Yeah. So I was... When I said, you know, I did not expect to see the checkered flag, I seriously meant it. I came across the radio to my crew. I'm like, guys, regardless of how this next, you know, 2.5 miles goes, I want to appreciate and thank each and every one of you. Regardless of how we have to load the car up, it's been a fantastic weekend. And we came around, and I got on the inside real quick there, and we're going, coming out of turn two. I see Drew Dobbin on 18 absolutely eat the wall. And my first instinction is he's going to come back down at the pack. And you got cars going left, right, outside, inside, through the grass. And my spotter's like, down, 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 down. You know, get low, get low. And I'm halfway down into, like, the apron. At this point, it's like that probably a good quarter mile worth of uh, asphalt down there, not grass. And he goes, all right, clear, get up, get up, get up, get up. And I'm trying not to jerk the wheel too fast. And my left side tires clip the grass a little bit. I get, like, a little squirrely for a second. Had to use some that dirt track experience. Uh, got straightened back out and uh, ended up P13 with this minor scratches on the car. So, that was definitely a heck of a Cinderella story. So, let's go back and let, let's let's talk about how Cinderella got to the ball. You know, that is that is the important thing and, and how you ended up there. So, we go we go all the way back. You start out, for those who don't know, you're 19 years old, first of all. So the, the story that's getting ready to be told is, is insane to me in 19 years. Uh, Ryan, we got a lot of work to do to catch up. I thought we had done some crazy stuff. but Yeah, we're way behind. Way behind. Way. Um, yeah. You start out in go-karts. What age do you first get in a go-kart? Uh, my first go-kart race, I believe I was seven or eight years old, and it lasted about four laps uh so you did bring that one back on a flatbed uh yes i went out and we had a heat race and it's kind of funny uh good friends with quentin white uh, my dad had a race against his dad and you know we were good friends we actually lived kind of in the street over i went to the same elementary school as quentin and quentin races uh at brownstown too mm -hmm. now in the supers and we rode the same bus and he was also racing in that go-kart class at the indianapolis speed room a flat flat fifth mile up there in indianapolis and I'm trash talking him that entire way to school. 
See, I love that. I love that it started right there on the bus. And he's been racing, you know, for two or three years at this point. He knows what he's doing. I'm cold-blooded rookie, you know. But, yes, bring it. I say not clearing the world. I'm trash-talking him every day to and from school. And we got there in the heat race, and Quentin was leading the heat race. I'm getting lapped on the third lap, which on a fifth mile was really impressive, you know. (laughs) And... And Were you in fourth gear again? <laughs> so that, that knows anything. We, we didn't have the greatest car. And uh, Quentin gave me a little bump, and uh, we went spinning around, which I don't blame Quentin. knew he was going for the lead. And uh, we come back, we finished the heat race. I'm like, oh, that was a little iffy. And we got for the feature. I think it was like a 15 lap feature. I started dead last. That's where I finished too. But it's like that three or four. Getting napped again at this point. I think I was getting napped for the second time, actually. And there's a chick named Caitlin Wolf. And she had a brother, I forget her brother's name, but we're going in turn one, and she spins me, and as I'm spinning, here comes her brother, just T-bones me. And I get sent flying to the wall, and pulling the infield, and I'm like, all right, Dad, that was great, I'm done. Never doing it again. <laughs> so my career lasted about, you know, a couple laps, and we put the cart in our garage for about two years, a season and a half, and I'm like, you know what, let's try that again, Dad, let's go back out here, and... We've raced a couple years in uh, the go-karts. Did you come back out with the same piss and vinegar of trash talking as you had at the beginning? (laughs) Uh, At that point, I learned my lesson. Okay. And I'm like, we're going going to take it smooth. And we ran a season (laughs) in that same car. And we're like, uh, I'm not so good in this car. Let's get a new car and see how things do. And uh, at that point, I found Pepper and a Pizza. And uh, weight in those cars are a big problem. And I was definitely a big kid for uh, my age, you know. Uh, I understand. And, yeah. I found pepperoni pizza very early on <laughs> <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> and uh, so that was a problem. I was always a little bit heavier than the other kids. So we weren't the most consistent. But we got a lot a lot of heat race wins. And we were so close so many times to getting that first feature win. And we never got it in the go-karts. And when I was 12 years old, we're like, you know what? Weight's killing us. So let's move me up into a 3,200-pound stock car. Because why not? Against, you know, 40, 50, 60-year-old men at that point that are definitely bigger than I am. And we paid, I think, six dollars $700 for this race car, Race Ready, from a guy named Alton Loden down in Kentucky. And it was... Which, for those who may be listening that don't know much about race cars... Anything six or seven hundred dollars race ready is uh, uh, um, <laughs> for those who couldn't see here off the screen. Uh, Braden's mom just said that would be a turd, uh, which is very accurate, very accurate. <laughs> so, so okay, so you move up to the the stock cars. You get a turd. Mm-hmm. You're now driving a the turd. Turd, yes, yes, okay. I think we had to weigh 3,200 pounds. I think that thing weighed 3,800. It, it was, it was, and that was before the pizza, you know. I was going to say, it was a sled. And I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, go-karts around there, you can just like flat floor it. I had to learn, you know, braking, braking points, and kind of how to hold my line. Because there, if you crash in those, you crash in those, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I ate the wall a pretty good couple times. And I got a lot of great mentors around this era uh ricky martin not not the singer ricky martin but, <laughs> but there, again yeah, yeah. that yeah. would have been a better story a lot of celebrity <laughs> there, uh, here. We, we had a guy up there at speed on ricky martin that raised living there, La Vida yeah. 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 Every time a lot we, of name dropping yeah. just not yeah. the right people <laughs> and he gave me a lot of great tips and it was kind of cool because he was one of the first people that came down to me when i was like yet young and he goes kid you got something, lava here or don't. I said, what's that, Ricky? He goes, you're young. I said, he goes, you can still make it. I said, I hope so, Ricky, but you know, I don't know about that one. I'm hitting walls every lap. 
And he goes, keep grinding, kid. We'll get there one day. And so we go out there, and I rest, run Thunder Cars, which is like a hobby stock for two or three seasons. I, we never won. We never came close to winning. We ran some figure eight, though. That was a blast. I about hit Ricky at one point, too. That was, that's, a, that's a different story, though, for another day. Let's just say I'd make a presentation on uh, to my mom on how it would be beneficial for me to run a figure eight and how it would teach me good evasive maneuvering skills. I was like 14, 15 years old, and I'm like, Mom, we're racing points. You know, we got to run a figure eight. And, yeah, she probably regrets letting me run it because that led into us running a figure eight, eight models too, when I got older. And then ran some Hornet Which stuff. Which those, uh, for those listening, figure eight, eight models are a little more expensive yes. than the six or $700 turd. Yes. Those are <laughs> mid to high five figures there. For <laughs> figure eight, we're literally driving – for those of you that don't know or have never seen the figure eight race, there's literally an intersection in the middle of the track, and it's got blind faith that the other drivers will make a hole for you. And if they aren't making a hole, they're finding a hole. If they're not finding a hole, they're finding the ambulance, you know? And, and I got to say, and I just to, for those out there, we've talked about it on here before and on our broadcast. If you've never seen late model figure eight racing, the guys that do it, it is some of the most amazing and and gut-wrenching things even for a fan because you're just waiting for the bad to happen and it it's amazing what those guys can do say and i attribute a lot of my wreck avoidance to the figure eight because it teaches you how to make evasive maneuvers real quick and um i think that's one benefit i had especially going in daytona was that wreck avoidance luckily i didn't really have to use it except for that last lap but i was prepared for that big one if we had that big one i think i honestly had a pretty fair shot at somehow find a way through it and we've raced down and we raced in Iceland, kentucky at the end of last season and there was a big one on the first lap and there were like 12 cars involved and i saw a glimmer of a hole and i went for it and we came out pretty much unscathed and there were a lot of people that went home with torn up race cars so when i was 15 though uh we actually kind of moved down to hornets and my reasoning was as my family we own a tiny junkyard up in indianapolis and at the speed room hornets aren't like built hornets i mean they're knocked the windows out don't even put a cage in it put like a seat bar and go racing it's like fun you know plastic into pretty cheap that's what you had right ryan yeah well, yeah, yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> for those like who that. don't know uh we are joined by ryan bowling he is the yeah. 2009 hornet track champion at thunder valley raceway and it is that ryan bowling it is yes, that Ryan yes. Bowling, yeah, yeah, not yeah. the other Ryan Bowling. No appearances. Uh, it is the track champion. <laughs> I sorry, myself. Sorry to uh, to step on your story there, Brayton, but uh, we like to remind him all the time that he was a one-time track champion. I can't claim that I've ever been a track champion, so it's pretty impressive to yeah. me. I've never been a Especially champion. The Hornets, you know, yeah, the Hornets, you know, very yeah, very competitive right. class here, you know. That's right. But <laughs> at the speed room, it's basically knocking windows out and go racing. And nowadays, you have a lot of, like, Hondas and Integras are just kind of dominating that scene. But back then, you could go get, you know, a 1998 Cavalier, knock the windows out, and go destroy some stuff and have fun doing it. And my reasoning to my dad, I'm like, Dad, they're getting 35 cars out here a night, and they're tearing a lot of stuff up. This looks like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to get in on this, you know. And we ran the Hornets for a couple of years. And my first ever Hornet was a, I keep saying Hornet, we call them factory front-wheel drives because, you know, they're stocked, they can't yes. do nothing. And it was, I think, like a 1998, might have been, like, might have been early 2000s, Buick Century. It was heavy, it was a turd, it was ugly, but it got around that track. It was automatic, too. And we got around that track like we knew what we were doing, and we did not know what we were doing. 
And my first race in that was uh, we had a B main and we had a flagpole, which for anyone listening that doesn't know what a flagpole is, they basically take a giant tire marker or marker tire and they put it in the infield. And when you come to complete your lap, you either have to dive around or dive into the infield and do like a donut around the marker tire. So you have like a mini intersection there where cars are going in to go around the tire and cars are coming out. And we were actually second. We started like 14th, and we were up to second, like in eight laps. We were killing it, man. And I, I, I get so disappointed every time I tell this story. And uh, I got T-boned by a dude that didn't really uh, know what he was doing, I guess. And uh, it hurt because it was he went a lot wider than he should have, and he hit me about going 65 miles an hour in those cars without a full cage. And we had a door plate, and that was about it. It. it knocked the window on me and that was like the first time I really was in like a bad wreck and he he was pretty messed up too the whole front of his car the engine was put and the cradle and everything was pushed back I think four or five six inches so it was definitely a pretty decent wreck and from there you kind of moved around and when you're 15 I'm like you know what I think we just move up to figure eight stuff dad and my dad goes well son if you want to be one of the greats one day we'll make it a NASCAR I hate to break to you Jeff Gordon's not looking at the Indianapolis Speedrome figure eight division for the next Jeff Gordon, you know. And we went, we lived five minutes from CJ Rayburn, you know, a great mentor of mine. We're like, CJ, what do you recommend? You know, we want to go dirt racing. We don't want to hop straight in supers because, you know, that's stupid. Who would do that? And <laughs> and we're like, you know, we want to do it right. We want to be up there. Yeah, because that's race. crazy after a figure eight race. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Just yeah. got T-boned in a Cavalier yeah. 65 miles no. an hour, but. Buick Century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're like, CJ, you know, we want to have the money to really do it right one time. And he goes, well, if you want to do it right, you want to do it right one time, hop in the Supers. And we're like, um, okay, sure, why not? And we went and we found this. We didn't even know what year it was. We were told it was early 2000s, and we got it. And we brought it back to CJ, and he looked at it, and he said it was at the second 1997 and older. So it was the car was older than I was. And that that's really impressive there. And we got like an old... Not older than you, Matt. No, I know. No, <laughs> we, no. we got some old, you know, motor we had laying around, put it in it. And that's our first time racing on the Burt, training, and everything, too. And we went out there our first night and talked about Redneck. At the time, our hauler was a school bus. <laughs> That we, like, had ramps, and we, like, drove the race car into the back of the school bus. And uh, it was definitely quite the sightseeing at Point of the Pits. And we went out there, and the car, it was it was a clean-looking car, and we are unloading it, and we destroyed half the body getting out of the school bus. <laughs> and I got there, and with dirt, you only get too hot, like, two or three hot laps, and that's it. Asphalt, you get, like, 15 minutes, and you come in, eat a slice of pizza, go back out if you want to, you know? And we come in. Or we go to Brownstown. We do our practice. Never running dirt before in my life. I I'd only seen. I only been to Brownstown twice before that. We had no idea what we we're doing. We didn't belong there, and we went out there for the feature, and we made the feature because we only had like eighteen cars, and I'm just kind of cruising on the inside. Everyone's running the top, and all of a sudden it's like seven, eight laps to go. Here comes Devin Gilpin just flying by on the inside, and I think he ended up winning the race, and he's going on. He goes, man, I don't know who brought the inside line in, but I figured out that inside line got Brian. Like, nobody was running all night. I hopped down there, and that thing had some speed. I was in here breaking the inside line and or breaking in the inside line for Devin, 
and he was the first guy to hop down here. So all of a sudden, I'm running in like the mud, trying to get around the track. But uh, got rookie of the year in 2018. Still didn't know what we were doing. Uh, 2019, we kind of uh, slowed our schedule down. My dad got sick. Uh, we kind of had to really slow down. Went back in the Hornets at Speedrun for a couple uh, months and ran a lot of great stuff. And then in 2020, uh, we got a brand new to us. Uh, Rayburn Cash, I believe it was, it was 2012 or 2014, and it, it was called Pumpkin, which if anyone is familiar with Rayburn lore knows what Pumpkin is. It was a very fast piece that they went to Eldora with in you know, mid-2010s, and according to CJ, dominated, had nothing for him. That swing arm was the fastest swing arm ever to see <laughs> the dirt. And we still didn't know what we were doing, but now we had a better car, and get, went out in 2020, and had a pretty good season. Uh, we didn't really make as many races as we wanted to, but we were still going through that learning curve, especially. And then in uh, 2021, got a couple of new cars, got some different Rayburns, got a Pierce to play around with. And honestly, going in 2022, we ran Daytona, had a pretty good run there. But I'm feeling pretty excited that I feel like we're finally past that learning curve after moving from asphalt to dirt and not really having any of that prior experience. I feel like we were finally at the top of that hill, and I feel like we can go out here and actually compete for some races. So looking very forward to 2022. So I want to give you, I want to give you some, some big credit here right now. And, and I mean this so genuinely, um, and I'm trying to find the actual posts that you put up and I, I can't find it right now. Um, that's why I was over here trying to scroll through. Well, while he's looking for that, I'm going to give you some props on your rookie year. Mm-hmm. You were one of the very few that got up, when you got your, your rookie trophy there and actually thanked your sponsors and thanked people. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. You know, you guys, all those guys have, you know, huge courage in the car, but when they get in front of people, they can't speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bragged on you, and I, I've even bragged to you, Dustin, that mm-hmm. you were one of the few. You was mm-hmm. the youngest one there, I think, but got up and, and mm-hmm. had a thank you speech, and I always thought that was pretty cool. I was only 16 years old. And yeah. That was the first time I actually like, done something enough to get an award. And like my at that point, I think I'd been racing for. Oh, I got to do math here. That was probably my eighth or ninth year racing. Um, eight, yeah, eighth, I'd say, and um, maybe ninth. I don't know I'm not good at math. I went to Greenwood, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like the first time I really done anything to get an award and go and talk in front of people, which that was awesome. I was definitely was not passing up the opportunity. People listening know now. I love to talk, and you guys are probably regretting bringing me on, but <laughs> not at yeah. all. Yeah, it's, no. This is much easier than having to drag information yes. out of somebody. Yeah. I I can't find the the post right now, but you'll be able to kind of help me and correct me here. But what I want to say is. Uh, there are a lot of different personalities in racing. Um, don't get me wrong. And there are a lot of people in who racing who build a mystique and a story about themselves that is very untrue. It always, I, I laugh at some drivers who I will see the week after a race and they will tell me how well they raced. And I'm like, do you realize I was there? Like, I'm not picking on you, but they're like, man, we were right there for the way. No, you weren't. Like, well, they, I, so they were. They was just a lap behind. Yeah. yeah like, and I'm not, I'm not putting that down, but like, I'm like, no, like, just be real. Like, what I love about you, and I told you beforehand, your your social media and what you do, and and you your YouTube stuff, you are real, man. And I will tell you, keep that. Like, when you sit there and you say. Yeah, we ran this go-kart. It wasn't very good, and I found pepperoni pizza. Like, that's real. Like, don't – I so much appreciate that more than you coming on here and be like, yeah, we were one of the best go-karts you'd ever <laughs> seen. Because I, I can't look that up. Uh-huh. I don't know. You can lie to me. Keep being real. And, and I, I 
appreciate that. What I was going to say is you, you put up a post, uh, and I, I sorry I can't find it, but it was kind of going through your racing history and, and reflecting on Daytona. And you talked about being told you couldn't race yep. in go-karts and you, you couldn't make it in, in the, the uh, hobby stocks and you wouldn't make it in figure eight. Mm. And my favorite part of that post was you wouldn't make it in dirt and you knew nothing about it and you even put in princes. This one was probably true. Yes. I love that, man. So many times in in the racing world, drivers and people involved have no confidence mm-hmm. in themselves, so they create this mystique. You are who you are, mm-hmm. and I love that. And, and, and you have a story to tell right uh-huh. now, man. You're P13 at Daytona in the mm-hmm. ARCA series. I just, before we went any farther, I wanted to tell you that because I love how real you are. When you are bad, you don't mind getting on social media and saying, you know what, we... We were we sad today. Yeah. We sucked. We weren't any good. I hit free mark tires, hit the wall, you know. <laughs> yes. So I just want you, I appreciate that realness, man. And that's why we wanted to have you on. It's so much fun and, and to get you talking and to see the whole story from go-karts when you were a lap down, three laps in, to again, and, and that range to be P13 in the ARCA series, man. So I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And honestly, we talked a little bit beforehand. We are fans of this sport. Obviously, it's why we do what we do. Your social media is definitely something that draws me back and back and back because I, even if you didn't have a good night, I want to get on YouTube and see if you posted something and what you said. Oh, that YouTube is definitely real. Say, I'm, I was, I mean, like they with some captions like, you know, we went and we spun out and we lost and we did terrible. I think it's the title of one of the um, videos, like racing at Richmond and spinning, because I think I spun like four times that night. Yeah, it was terrible. We run a lot of terrible races, but you know, that's one thing I love is being real, and that is a hard viewpoint for the fans to gather. And as a fan, you don't get to see what goes on off the track. You don't, you know, maybe the pitch, but you don't get to see what goes on in the shop. You don't get to see all the drama. You don't get to see, you know, who's banging whose wife, you know. And that's mm-hmm. just something that Which I, is not Tim Richmond or Ricky Martin. <laughs> Tim Richmond, that, maybe. That, that maybe. <laughs> well, Tim not Richmond. that Tim Richmond. <laughs> so, but he did. He did. He did. <laughs> Ricky, I think you're safe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, I say that speed drum is definitely a lot of uh, that going on. So I say I love going and delivering that unique viewpoint to the fans. And that's kind of why I teamed up with Mullins Racing to get to Daytona was I actually met them through TikTok because uh, Willie and Dinah Mullins, you know, they own the team. Dinah uses TikTok as one of her platforms to, I guess, express, you know, her viewpoint to people. And they do a lot of background stuff in the shop and, you know, see what they're working on, show all their cars, you know, their they're real people too. They work a nine to five job. You know, they work um, on recycling trucks and uh, garbage trucks. And you go and you see them working, and then see after that they go home. They you know clean up a little bit. They eat dinner, and then they work on the race cars. And they have a pretty much all volunteer crew. And you get to meet them. You develop these personalities for these people you only see through the screen. And when I found out they were wanting some people to come down and test with them at Daytona in January, that's when I saw them an email. I'm like, hey, I race dirt. You know. Think that we can, you know, come in, you know, squeeze in and get a ride, you know, maybe for the test. And like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, why, you know, why not? You know, what's the worst that can happen? You're only going 185 miles an hour. And I can think a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like getting that email back? Like, say, that was, we've all sent out that email. It's like, yeah, I don't ah, ever get it back. You, know, <laughs> you, you never get a reply. But take us through mm-hmm. 
the emotions of getting that well, email. That, that's a real funny story. So I work, some backgrounds, I work at, um, you know, as I mentioned, my family owns a small junkyard up on the southeast side. And I work out that throughout the day. And it was late December. I just finished my first semester at co- of college at UND, also my last semester at UND. Uh, I, I transferred um, to fit racing stuff, of course. And it's like 1030. My dad comes in, ah, Brian, get up. I got to go to work. And he, my dad actually owned an ARCA car in 2004, ran one race at Salem, quickly realized the sport's too expensive. He's going to go back for great racing. Yeah, yes, the ARCA racing is too expensive, <laughs> so it's going to go back to figure eight racing. Yeah, you know? without an intersection, how do yeah, you tear yeah, anything yeah, up? Yeah, exactly. So, traded it, sold it. I, I forget what I did with it. And he had some contacts and was talking to a good bud of his, I believe it was Eric Caudell, who also runs an ARCA, about the test and the scene, you know, what it would take. And my dad comes to my room, you know, wakes me up. He goes, Hey, Brayton. I'm just sitting there in bed, huh, 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 You know, still my underwear and everything. He goes, what if they're not running the ARCA test in January? And it was like December 21st. It was, it was like pretty late in December. I said, cool, I guess. He goes, all right, see what you can find out. And that's when I shot the email of the moments. And they posted like the post in like early December. So I'm like, oh, it's probably all filled. Oh, it's probably too late. And I got an email and they're like, uh, yeah, here's paperwork. We need it like uh, pretty quickly, by the way. Uh, here's this, all that. And like three days later, I came downstairs. My dad sat in his chair. I'm like, hey, dad, sign here, sign here. Mom, sign here, sign here. All right, we just sold our soul, by the way. Um, <laughs> we're going to Daytona. And that was real awesome. You know, as a small town kid, just even getting to practice at Daytona is a dream come true. A lot of people would be dream of running Bristol, especially on the dirt scene. Do you have the Bristol Dirt Nationals? And just being able to go around at Bristol, being able to run at a track that NASCAR races at, a lot of people think of that as a dream come true. And I personally never thought I'd make it to Daytona or even the ARCA series for that matter. You know, I've been told, as you were saying, I was told I was never good enough. I was told we would never make it. And especially at a young age and moving into the hobby stocks at 12, I had a lot of the drivers in there that, said they didn't want to race against me. They said I was too young, I was too inexperienced. That probably was. But at the end of the day, I was able to drive my car off the track. Might have been missing a quarter panel, but they were the ones that had to get towed back to the pits, you know. I, I played it smart, and that's generally one way, I think, that I like to differentiate my driving is I like to play it smart. You know, we're a very small team. We don't have the millions of dollars in funding. We don't have, you know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars of the sponsors. If we tear something up, we're not racing next week unless, you know, we go on and bust our butts to fix it. So that was just real different, I think, of how I put my viewpoint, I guess, in racing. But going in and being able to, first off, talking with the moments, because I look at my TikTok stars. You know, mm-hmm. Dinah has, I think, you know, 23, 24,000 followers on TikTok. And they're always like celebrities, you know, and getting it email from them. It was like, I thought I got an email from Jeff Gordon. <laughs> and, you know, went down there to the test and that was just so... Not that Jeff cool. Gordon, yeah. right? Not that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but one of the coolest things that I've seen, obviously, you know, following the social media through the test mm-hmm. and the race and all that was just how the, the community and, you know, we love grassroots racing here. That's that's primarily mm-hmm. our, our focus. And you represented so many of these grassroots racers and to see them commenting and following the social media and, and just... It had to be just such a, a neat feeling to have that support mm-hmm. from from the community. Yeah, I 
even said, I think I mentioned in the post, I said, this is for all the ones that said they couldn't be, they were told they couldn't do it. They were told they weren't good enough. They were told they were too young, too inexperienced. This is for those drivers right there. And just being able to go and represent the grassroots racer, the nine to five worker, being able to go represent those guys on such a national level and prove that a small town kid can make it to Daytona and do good at Daytona too. You know, P13, not a scratch. Well, okay, there was a scratch in the car. I blame Dale Quarterly for that. <laughs> that, that Dale Quarterly, you know. Um, but that was just real cool. And leading up into this, there's a photo on Facebook. I was at the Harf Banquet, the Hoosier Auto Racing Fans mm-hmm. Banquet, in late January. And Tony Stewart was, yeah, that Tony Stewart. Yeah, the, 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 Tony. the, the Tony. Anthony Stewart. Yes. yes. And he was there. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Tony's here. And my dad goes, all right, let's go talk to him. I said, what? I'm like, we're, we're going to talk to the Tony Stewart. And he goes, why not? And we go up, um, shake my hand. I'm like, hey, Mr. Stewart. First off, you probably thought you were idiots because, you know, Mr. Stewart, you know. <laughs> and probably thought we were just some redneck fan asking him for a signature. But I'm like, hey, I'm making my debut at Daytona here in a couple weeks. I come from figure eight racing, dirt racing. How do I survive? And he goes, well, there's not really a formula to it. He goes, just listen to your spot, you know, make sure you know what you're doing and make sure you always have like a hole out. And he gave me a lot of great advice. And my like, God, oh, that's pretty cool. I got to talk to Tony Stewart. And then I'm sitting here on Reddit, which for some of our older audience that might be listening, Reddit is like a social media platform similar to Facebook. And they have like different groups of subreddits. And there's a NASCAR subreddit. And I'm sitting in here and... I made a post about, you know, going to race ARCA at Daytona. And all of a sudden, Chase Briscoe, and it's got, like, a verified check mark next to it. So, it's the the Chase Briscoe, not the other Chase Briscoe, you know. <laughs> and Chase Briscoe's coming. Oh, dude, that's so cool. You want to see another Indiana guy, you know. He goes, uh, he goes, I'll be in the broadcast booth. You know, anything I should know and stuff like that. And sitting there, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then Dale Earnhardt Jr. was also on that subreddit a couple of days later. Where he was doing, like, a... AMA or ask me anything where they could go in and ask him a question and he'd come in there and respond that 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 Dale Earnhardt Jr. not the other Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, and he goes on I go on there I'm like yo Jr. first off this is awesome thanks for doing this ask me anything uh, how do I survive at Daytona I'm like you're obviously you know with the, your family is like the king of you know super speedways and he went on there he actually gave me a lot of great pointers too and so I'm like this is cool I got all this like professional knowledge i'm gonna go out here i'm going to do great and going and then you're going 185 you don't remember any of it pretty much yeah (laughs) going into it they said they're the puppet and responders the puppet master your spotter tells you go high you go high your spotter tells you go low you go your spotter tells you you take a poop you take a poop you know i say that was pretty much did they ever tell you that just out of curiosity i know but it did tell me to breathe a lot which oh, that is honestly something you forget to do during during the practice down there in January. Top in the car, Willie, that team owner, he goes, breathe. Don't forget to breathe. I know it sounds stupid. And I went out for the first, you know, 10, 15 laps. I come in. I get out of the car. I'm like, <gasps> that was probably terrible on the mic. Um, but I'm just like, <gasps> it's out of breath. And he's like, you forgot to breathe. And I'm like, I think I did. And it's something you, you don't think about. And during the race, the spotter, you know, I'm go out there racing at 185 miles an hour. The spotter has to be going at 295 miles an hour, you know. It's like, you know, half back, half back, half back, quarterback, no help behind him, no help. All right, you got your P4 and your pack of six, you're doing great. Take a breath, take a breath, all right, half back. Sounds like an auctioneer. And 
So sitting there, having a reminder, take a you know, take a drink, take a breathe, breather, you no know, deep breath, deep breath. Here we go, and just, it's stupid sitting there having to you know, you're like, oh man, you know, I'm on this level, you know, to think you're your own driver, but it's a team effort there at Daytona, and especially with me being new to the whole spotter concept and mirrors. Even I haven't ran in a mirror except for the figure eight stuff. You know, in the past, you know, four or five years, dirt, we don't run mirrors, and we don't. Yep, we have a spotter, and it's a guy in the two beers deep with two LED sticks in the infield. You can't count to six. And, um, six? Three's tough. Yeah. So Depending no. on how many teeth they got. So at a speed room, you can put a group of 12 together and count six teeth maybe between a <laughs> dozen of them. But I say, I have Kyle there. I call him Crip, my, my crew chief. Uh, he's, he he was in a figure eight wreck a couple of years ago, and I that trailer figure eight race because the figure eight race isn't uh, exciting enough. They went out there and we put trailers in the back of the cars. Oh yeah, because why not? And he went out there and um, he got hit because he decided he was going to have a demo derby and he broke his hip. And so I called him a crip. He did like hobbled around. He, he he's good to go now. I still call him crip. And uh, we, we we try the stick thing. And I'm not I'm not going to lie. I don't look. <laughs> it doesn't matter where he's at. He can have bright OEDs. I still won't look. No, normally I'm too busy to sit there and like try and clean the mud off my windshield because I forget to put tear offs on half the time, or if I you know do put tear offs on nor- normally backwards or I have to pull the whole pull stack the whole off. Yeah, <laughs> so sitting there and it's a team effort. You know, listen to your spot or where the cars are, and if you want to get on the inside, you have a split second to do it if you're in a pack. And if you hesitate at all, you're going in the infield. You're going in the wall. So it's sitting there and getting used to the whole spotter atmosphere. And my spotter was a rookie, too, for Super Speedways. Uh, he, you know, he spotted for the 500. He spotted the next one. He a lot. But I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was for a Super Speedway race. And uh, Jesse Vaughn was his name. He did an excellent job. Kept me out of trouble. Kept the crew out of trouble, too, especially after the race. But I'll, I'll, although I did hear they got in trouble at the airport. Someone tried to take a knife on the plane. Um, I'm not sure who that was. I believe that was our PR guy um they made they made it back okay though but yeah yeah it was just, it's a it's a fun story they tell you know before we go any farther um you know one thing that we do like to do because we are all about that grassroots racing effort and we want to make sure that you thank the people mm-hmm. that helped you not only your dirt program but also get to daytona and you are 19 years old, and I think you're more than intelligent enough to do this, but I always like to, to remind people, uh, don't forget to thank mom and dad. Yes. <laughs> because she's within arm reach of you, and I've not known her very long, but I've got a feeling she'd reach over and just rake you right across the face if you don't. Uh, I guarantee you. Know, <laughs> I guarantee you. I say, no, I'm very thankful you know, I have the parents that I do, and I've talk to a lot of kids and that was one thing we we're talking about you know grassroots racers looking up to us i've had it all, I, i'm on discord a lot for this older crowd it's like uh think of it as emailing but the cooler emailing that gets like text <laughs> messages and but on a computer and stuff and basically we're talking strangers from the internet but we help form a friendship which is like awkward because you never meet them but you know play all kinds of games with these people and people i've never met in real life are sent here and like, oh, dude, that's so cool to get around Daytona. And, you know, I've met him on Minecraft. I met him on iRacing. I met him on all kinds of games. But I met a lot of kids that I don't really know, but they're friends. They're part of this like, groups I'm in. And they're shooting me a message. You know, they're 8, 9, 10 years old. They're like, hey, man, how do I get there? 
And I'm like, first off, you gotta be lucky. I was gonna say, starting off, it's hard to get sponsorship. And I kind of explained to them going through. I'm, you know, I'm coming up on my 12th, 13th year racing. I've kind of got that figured out a little bit. Of course, it wouldn't be without help and without struggle. But I go and I tell these kids, I'm like, you gotta be lucky. First off, you gotta have parents that support you. If you can't get parents that don't support you, you ain't gonna go very far. They're not gonna get to the track because you're 10 years old and don't have a driver's license. And that is just one thing I'm super grateful for is having fantastic parents. That one, my dad, you know, he's owned race cars. He's raced before. He gets it. My mom, ooh, you know, she, yeah, she, <laughs> she is understanding enough. She understands, you know, the staying at the shops until two o'clock to get the race car done. You know, she's very understanding. She's always been, you know, my number one supporter. And if you don't have people behind the back and you know, supporting, especially when you're starting out. They're not going to go far, and I'm just very grateful to have the parents that I do, and definitely without them, I probably wouldn't have been out of go-karts, because I've developed these friendships, and it's almost like a big racing family over the years, and a lot of it is, you know, people my dad knew growing up and you know, racing with, and now I'm friends with their kids from the racetrack, or even friends with my dad's friends, which is kind of weird, you know, I'm 19 years old hanging out with like 40, 50 years old, but you know, I'm cool with it. I understand that. <laughs> but you know it, it's cool because you know, you're we're not all, 19 dude <laughs> you know, we're all there you're not 40 <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're, no. we're all there you know we have the same similar interests you know i'm not sitting there drinking a beer with them you know but that's still one thing that's a difference too yeah, yeah. i'm sitting there and you know we're, G- give him two years yeah <laughs> we're, 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 we're real people you know and sitting there making that big racing family it's just one thing that i Feel like people overlook. You know, they sit there, they look at the cost of racing, like, oh, it's gonna cost as much money, and they're like, we're gonna tear stuff up, and there's no point. It takes the fun out of it. Even if I go out here, I hit the infield marker tire at Brownstown, which we talk of Brownstown. I don't know what they put in those things. Um, I know Casey White had a rough year this year. I think he hit a couple times. I know my rookie year, I hit it three or four times. They do not move. No, I don't know what. I don't know if they put concrete in them. I think they do put concrete in them, to be honest, because I hit one my rookie year, and I didn't have, like, a whole left front suspension afterwards. Now, here's the best part about that story. It was in the far side of the track. I never told my dad that it hit it. Until we come in the pits after the feature, and the whole left right suspension is just, like, destroyed, bent, angry. He goes, what did you hit? Oh, no, I think I had a rock or something. And... Um, Boulder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an hour and a half later. I'm like, hey, Dad, uh, I was going back. I was watching the GoPro footage, and I hit that marker tire out there. He goes, you think? But <laughs> I'd say it's – I forget where I was going with this, but, yeah. Um, Thanking your sponsors. Yes. So <laughs> it's definitely a big learning curve. And Oh, yeah, the whole family thing. I would say even I got there and hit the marker tire, and, you know, my crew and stuff, they can back me up on this. I'll come in. I might be a little, you know, upset for a little bit. But when we go to Waffle House at the end of the night, I'm having the time of my life, you know. And that's, you got to look at the fun of things, you know. That's what racing's about, is sitting here having fun. And when people sit there, they try to take the fun out of it. They look only at the cost of things, which I don't blame them either. But, so you got, that the fun you have and the moments you create are priceless. And even down there in Daytona, I was talking, there's a man, George, that was on the Mullins crew, and he's, I'm not saying he's no spring chicken, but he's definitely a little up there. And he goes, that's one thing a lot of guys, especially this level, forget is to have fun and smile. And he goes, that's one thing I love about you, kid. I've looked at that every single time this weekend, and they're always smiling. Little did he know I just had a 
crap ton of vitamin C and, you know, bananas. And I was like, you know, having a lot of energy going through my system. But <laughs> say, but it's just, you know, important that you just remember those memories. And don't look at the cost of what it's going to make to go racing, but look at the cost to the, have those process memories. And that's absolutely that people just really overlook. Did you wear the pepperoni pizza helmet down there? Oh, we got a brand new pepperoni pizza helmet. Awesome. Brand new. Like, we spent nine hours wrapping in our living room. That taught, It was a team effort. Remember those process memory? <laughs> he was he was supervision. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can tell who did the work. Yeah. Remember those process memories we're talking about? That's not one of them. You know, that was nine hours of pain, cutting, and screaming at everyone. Pull on that side of need light, you know. But, yeah, we got a brand new pepperoni helmet awesome. for that. Because... Coolest helmet in racing. Yeah. It is. I think it's, so it's too. Yeah. The coolest. See, I got it for the radio hookup, and I didn't realize they make a kit that's like rivet to the side of their helmet, so we didn't even have to buy a new helmet. But you know, it's part of the learning curve, I guess. I going to Daytona, you need a new exactly, helmet. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I loved when you took the the media photos for Daytona when you're mm-hmm. down there for photo day, and the the pizza helmet is in the photo like that is so iconic, and you again you go back and it goes back to what you just said though, so many people take this so serious and I, I'm not I get it I get the amount of money that's in it I get you know everybody wants to win, but for you to go down there and just say this is me I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it. I think your how loose you are definitely leads to your success. Mm-hmm. Then I walked in the media room, and first off, the suites down there are beautiful. Is in one of the suite rooms. I wouldn't mind just standing there. I walk in, and they got like a bar set up and everything. I'm like, I don't know, should be giving drivers, you know, having a bar right here next to the driver, like media station. But I don't judge. And I walk in, and you have a couple like the ARCA PR guys and media guys, and one of the guys goes, hands down, favorite helmet I've ever seen. He goes, I've been doing this, you know, for like a decade. Favorite helmet I've ever seen. I'm like, that's awesome, you know. He said, pizza helmet. I say it. I've been running that for, what, three, four years now? Uh, guys, wait, uh, your first one was Houston High School, so. Actually, I think my, I was in the, I don't know. 2018, yeah, I say so. Since I've been dirt, so 2017, that's the only helmet I've ever seen you wear. Yeah, yeah. I say that was one thing. People go all, they have these cool looking fire suits, cool gloves, cool boots, and they have like a plain white helmet. I'm like, if we're gonna go big, you know, go helmet, yeah, go helmet. That's the only thing we can see while you're in the car, exactly. You know, yeah. So who else? Who are some of those sponsors? Who are those people? I want to make sure you get them out yeah. and say thank you. Yes, I'll say, of course. Because you know, Pepperoni Pizza doesn't sponsor you yet. I wish. I wish. If Fingers Papa crossed. John's is listening, Shaq, I know you're the big guy there now. It, right here's your opportunity. There you go. I say, yeah, of course, my parents. And Gary Driver, Big Head Pizza. Gary Driver, yes. Big Head Pizza, yes. <laughs> I say, as long as you serve like a thick crust pepperoni, I'll come on well, board. You know, he, so he does. I'm like, go bring me, put a table in front. You know, we can bring the race car and everything. But, uh, you know, my parents, IndieAutoRecyclers.com, you know, our junkyard there have helped us out tremendously. Image 13 Photography, Edco, you know, Eddie and Don the Van Meter, they have helped me a lot throughout my career. And definitely I would not be here if it wasn't for their support. Jimmy's Diner up there on Shelby Street, they're looking for some good home-cooked, greasy cheeseburgers. Jimmy's Diner there. Uh, I need to say Insulation, Tim Logue, definitely helped us out with Daytona. Affordable tone came on board. The hook tone came on board. Helped. We, that was something I also loved about Daytona. We went out and got a lot of local sponsors, and it was definitely a grassroots effort of getting a lot of people to come on board and help us out there. Because Daytona, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. A set of tires. People complain about dirt tires. Twenty four hundred bucks for a set of Daytona tires. 
Twenty four hundred bucks. That's not. That's not even the rims. That's just wow. the tires. How many sets did you go through? In that L- luckily, luckily in Arca they run the hardest tire I've ever seen. I said you put a fingernail in it, it pushes back. You know, so you only have to run one set, unless you're one of the top tier teams. You want to show off. You got some, you know, moolah, then you can change, you know, a couple yeah. sets, but. I'd just come in and rotate them. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't got money for another set. We'll I, just rotate them. I say I pulled the uh, cars, uh, the movie cars method. You know, no tires, just gas. <laughs> so that's what we did. Just gas every time. We did have a bit of a worry on the pace app. I about hit somebody, and I had a um, someone stalled. I don't know how to stall going forty five miles an hour, but it's Daytona. I guess anything can happen. And so we like all checked up, and we were afraid our flat spotted the tires because like smoke started coming up. I slid them like, ooh, it's kind of scary because Daytona is not a place you want to have a flat right. tire go down <laughs> so there's something that was scary about that and they're like I have to hear any you know, vibrations let us know luckily we were good to entertain the tires but say but we've had a lot of grassroots people come on board and I'm forgetting yeah I apologize but say yeah the, uh, Indianapolis Speedrome where I got my start in racing you know Kevin Garrick is, has done a fantastic job up there and Brownstown you know all the people that have helped out at Brownstown, that's a beautiful and fantastic facility to race at Richmond. Uh, we got third down there in Richmond, the first time we really ran competitively for points. The Pinos family have done a fantastic job down there, too. And it's just a lot of, you look at, you know, my story, and we never really had that million-dollar sponsor. We never, I didn't have the last name. Actually, Laster is a terrible last name for a racer. Yeah, it's kind of like being <laughs> in last place. I said we ain't first or Laster, you know? <laughs> We just put on a t-shirt. That's sh- that may have to go on the back of my gold digger t-shirt. Uh, but, but I do love that you you kind of took the concept and and I do called it Blaster Motorsports. Yes. I thought that was really cool. That's Hi, mom, idea. mom yep. again. Of course, of course. Well, it's kind of funny because don't say that was a team thing because you'll get in trouble again. That just, just let it go. See, that's kind of like how Bob East did his chassis. You know, he was yeah. beast chassis. Yes, oh, beast. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yep. See, when you're old, you got a bunch of knowledge like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he just flat out called me old. That's the quote of the night. <laughs> I like you even more. You got to be careful. He's on the mic at Brownstown, so. Yeah, I can get you, man. <laughs> so no, I, don't, I'm not running up front very often, so. I do want to. talk about the back of the pack. I, <laughs> he talks about the first and the last year. Yeah. Um, but I do want to throw it out there. For any for anybody who's maybe listening that, that hears your story, that wants to come on, you know, are you still looking for sponsors? Yes. You, you, you looking for people say, that may be able to jump on? See that Daytona was a one down the mornings. I'm grateful I even got to practice at Daytona level and race there. It's a huge moment in my career. And something I'll tell my great, great, great grandkids I'm 112 years old. Hopefully I'm 112 years old, but um, all those uh, dirt track not shows probably not helping with that. Um, <laughs> I say, but, you know, we're of course looking for more uh, funding and some more marketing partners to come on board for Talladega which is uh, definitely a national spotlight, so that'd be a great opportunity for people to come on board there. And then ARCA, they run dirt races. They run Spring, the flat, Springfield and DeCoin over in Illinois, I believe. So we are that's definitely... A, that's a big mile dirt track over yes, DeCoin. Yeah. Yes, so we are definitely going to try to get some uh, marketing partners and funding to come on board for those races. So we're definitely looking for some people to come on board. If you're uh, listening, you want to make it to national television, uh, blastermotorsports at gmail.com is the way to go, so... If anybody is wondering, I don't think we brought it up, but even with all the ARCA stuff you got going on and we wish you all the best, you still will be back 
in the late model and racing. Oh, 100%. Dirt. We, we got brand new body on the Gold Digger. We got, by the way, that's spray painted. If you couldn't tell, that's some high quality $4 can spray paint from Walmart. Um, but here, here's the good thing about that, too, is you run like just like the basic back vinyl on it. I don't think mom's looking too happy over there. I just exposed this. But I say, when I go out here and I hit the market tire or someone hits me, we just take some spray paint rattle back over. We, we take two cans to the track with us, you know? So you got touch-up paint yeah, all the time. Yeah. It's always fresh. Always. It's- <laughs> when he hits the market tire and it falls off, it's gold yeah. plate. Yeah. <laughs> I say we, we replaced everything but the driver's side door because I, I guess I, you know, looking out for myself, and I, everything got destroyed and that car kept the driver's side door, so... I just see the whole front bumper ripped off, and you're over there with a can of spray paint. Just hell. <laughs> well, the chassis when we got that car, it had a red chassis too. So that that's black rattle can uh, the chassis is. So we don't but, we don't believe in sandblasting or anything at Blaster Motorsports. Here's the thing, man. And again, I'm going back to it, and and we laugh we laugh with you because this is it, man. It's real. It's real, and and you know. So much of the time in our sport, we try and be things that we're not, and and, and it's. Well, I think honestly, t- tonight for me has put it in so much more perspective. Of like, I hadn't really thought about how a lot of, of, of drivers and, and people are in general, and just how that it's not that you know everybody's got their filter, mm-hmm. and and it's nice and refreshing to see somebody who can just be themselves, mm-hmm. and, and I love it. Like, it's been my favorite episode we've ever had. So, and, and I and I'm gonna so tell you again, said. like it's we try to be real, and like I said when you walked in, like you know. We feel like we do a decent job with this podcast and the media stuff we do, but we also now have this baby, which is our t-shirt shop, mm-hmm. so we've kind of transitioned things over here to do things. Like I said, when you walked in and met you outside, I was like, guys, you're walking into a lot of stuff going on right now. That's real. It's who we are. I mean, we are literally sitting right now surrounded by boxes of t-shirts and hats and embroidery machines. Um, they got the hand cleaner, too. By the way, I don't know if you guys have ever tasted that. I got bored at one point last year. Um, say it's orange smell is fantastic. Yep. Does not taste. Does so not good. taste. Does good. not. I'm pretty sure it says don't eat or don't ingest on the label somewhere. Probably. Like I said, I went to Greenwood. Not a very good education. Um, say you're not know, Greenwood's a fantastic place. And that was kind of cool. <laughs> we had a lot, we had a lot of my teachers and that stuff that had like a I don't know like a watch party that could kind of get together. And sitting there, like, they watched it, too, down the uh, Daytona race. And we got a lot of support from Greenwood High School. And, you know, I graduated there just this uh, uh, past May, you know, nine months ago or so. Nine months. Is that right? Yeah, nine months. Yeah, I'm not good at math. Um, just just to cover that real quick, just for our lawyers, uh, it, Race Clean Performance Products does not suggest <laughs> ingesting any of our products at any point in time. Uh, Fantastic on the hands, terrible on the tongue. <laughs> That needs That's to be our, our label. That's our new model. It has to be on the label, man. This is what we talked about. Like, so, you know, obviously Race Clean is not at a you know, financial spot right now to, to jump on board with an ARCA car. But if we get to that point, <laughs> you're our it. guy because this is what I'm talking about. This is the marketing, like, that's what people don't do. They're not real. They don't do this stuff. I mean, I'll go in the middle of Daytona International Speedway on the big screen to chug a whole bottle. That's what I mean. Like, that's, that's gold. That's all we need. Yeah, and, and then you'll, your stomach will explode halfway through the race. <laughs> It'll be clean. That's one problem. I had to pee. And they never told me how to, they could, I'm, I'm sure the Cub guys, I've heard a lot of stories. They wear they just diapers. Go. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just go. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Like, I think it was 2018. 20, no, 2020. 20, the Jake, 2020? 2020. 
No. Yes, yes, sure. We're going to go with 2020. Works for um, me. I was racing a figure eight race at the speed realm uh, called the Jake's 150. And it was my, I guess, full-time rookie season in the figure eight class. And it, it was still a part-time effort. We were still focusing on dirt. And I'm going, and it's a long race. There's a lot of red flags. A lot of people are tearing stuff up. And I'm like, I got to pee, man. I'm 15 laps down at this point. We're barely halfway through the race. That's another thing about Daytona and figure eight. It's about survival. Mm-hmm. If you want to finish first, first you must finish. And so I say, even though I was 15 laps down, I was still running like ninth or 10th, and like 22 cars started that race, and I started 22nd. So I'm like, we're having a pretty good run. And a red flag comes out, there's like 50 to go. And at this point, it's been like two hours. I, I chugged the bottle of Gatorade right before I hopped in. I'm like, I got to pee, man. So I come in off track, and then we don't have any cold pit, hot pit rules, just come in for whatever come in to get a piece of pizza if you want to. I come in and the off-track gate is conveniently right, or the on-track gate is conveniently right by, there's a water hose for cooling the car down and the bathrooms. I pull in, I'm copying on the car and Chad Sizemore, one of the other figure eight drivers, he's wrecked out at this point. He's walking over. He's like, I got this hot back in the car. He's grabbing the hose. Think I'm overheating. I'm like, no, Chad, I got to pee, dude. <laughs> I'm running in, the bathroom unzipping. There's like a line in there, of course. We got like a trolley. I'm like, and you're oh standing there in your seat, yeah. Helmet, everything's on. I'm like, I'm, I'm like shoving people to the side. I'll walk out. And my dad and uh, Ryan Bullock, KGB Racing Engines, uh, he builds a lot of good engines for us. All, speaking of sponsors, uh, KGB Racing Engines uh, help us out a lot, too. Uh, they're standing there they're like, what's wrong? What do you want to do? I'm like, I had to pee, man. So I had to pee. And my dad, I was going to say, my dad, I can't repeat it on the podcast, but it was something upon the lines, if you ever do something like this again, there's going to be some, uh, I'm probably not racing. If I ever make a piss, we call it a piss stop. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I, I will say we ran um, a two-hour enduro at, uh, what's track, the Twin Cities? Is that the Rock Crest? No. It's Rock Crest. Yeah, Rock, yeah. Uh, at Rock Crest, before it was Rock Crest, back when it was cool. Um, now I'm sure it's going to be great this year. Um, but we ran a, they had a two hour or 200 laps enduro, whichever came first. I didn't know the or part. I just thought it was two hours. And this is a great story. My first ever daily driver was a 2002 Hyundai Elantra GT. We paid 200 bucks for it. And what it was, some old lady had it, and she had a big battery in it for some reason, and it kept shorting out the ignition um, fuse because the ground kept hitting, or the hot kept hitting the, uh, the quarter panel and like shock and stuff. I don't know. So I had electrical tape pit. You know, don't need to get smart about it. Just put electrical tape around it, you know? Yeah, big fix. Yeah. And um, after I was uh, done driving for a couple months, uh, the clutch went out on it, so I got a different fun car. I got an Integra. That thing was a blast to drive. Um, we put a new clutch in the Hyundai, and we're like, you know what? We're going to make it a race car. And we spray-painted numbers on it, and we put a door plate on it and like a seat bar. We put a blow-up doll in the passenger seat, and we took it that two-hour Enduro down here at a Rock Crest. Rock Crest. And uh, when I say we were slow, I mean, we were slow. Like, it was... Well, the biggest problem was we left outside and a rat got through and, like, ate a bunch of the wiring. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, had, we had to go in and just, like, find, like, 12-gauge and, like, 10-gauge copper wire for some, like, tiny wire. It just didn't look good. And something... It was, like, in net mode. So, I'm sitting here driving around the track with an OBD scanner in my left hand, clearing the codes on the car <laughs> while we're driving. 
<laughs> and so I'm I'm gonna try and shift and I'm running out of hands and it, it just didn't go good. Um, but I had, a, I, had a, I had a radio in there and I bought this radio just for the car so I could listen to music while driving. Had Bluetooth and everything. Cause I still had like the middle console here. I had my phone in there. I was rocking like, some eighties like pop and stuff. You know, during the enduro, yeah, yes, during the while race. clearing codes. Yes, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. I was skipping songs. You know, we were running last. You know, I had to clear codes half the time. You know, and I was, you, you wait till the first time he races at Brownstown. Breaking <laughs> <laughs> the multitasker laughter, man. Yeah, and I really had to pee. Because they were grading the track, they were making the track like especially rough for the enduro for some reason. You know, it's an enduro, you know, and they were like grading machine broke down on the track and it took them. We were in like the lineup shoot ready to go, and it took them like thirty minutes to clear it. I'm sitting there like chugging Gatorade while I'm waiting. And I hop in the car. It's like an hour and fifteen minutes in. I'm like, dude, I've got to pee. I'm like, I'm hurting. I'm hitting every bump and it's just like hurting. I'm like. I don't want to come in and do a piss stop because I remember the last time I did a piss stop, it ain't going to end good, you know? <laughs> and at this point, the hood's off the car because we're trying to figure it out. I, it's on my TikTok. I have a great TikTok uh, at Brayton Laster. We came in and that track was so rough that we didn't do any nut bolt checks. So everything had just vibrated loose. So I came in for a pit stop. Shockingly. I mean, yeah. you got to, you yeah. got to, you got an ADM reader in there. <laughs> Why would we think you did bolt checks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I come in for a pit stop, and they go to lift the hood up, and we have hood pins, and they pull the hood pins off, and they pick up on the hood up, and it just falls off. <laughs> like, it disconnected from, like, the like the hinges. So we just like, pick it up, my crew chief, Crip, and just throws it to the side. And so I'm just out here cruising with no hood. I'm listening to uh, the uh, radio. At this point, too, there's no data out there, too, in North Florida. This place is like a dead zone. <laughs> and even right now, I have no data. And so when I play this, I didn't download anything. I was just like, streaming on Spotify. I found some local radio station. So I'm like, not only am I clearing codes and shifting gears, I'm also like browsing through the radio stations trying to find some new 80s rock. Not to stop you, but nobody that's ever raced at Daytona has done that. <laughs> no! Nobody. No! Nobody. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I, I got pee, you know. I'm not going to lie, I did tink. I was wearing uh, no much underwear. I, I tinked a little bit. And here's the worst part. You know, I had, a, I had a clock in in the car and on the radio, and the Hyundai's come in with a built-in clock. And it was only an hour and a half in. And I did all the tinkle just so it didn't hurt so bad. And all of a sudden, I see Chuck of Zad come out about five minutes later. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? I'm like, are we done? And you weren't allowed to run two-way radio? I ran two-way radio because we don't have, have receivers. <laughs> I mean, no, receiver, she runs loads. You got a center console. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, we, we got like some $20 walkie-talkies off of like Amazon. And we had some, like my crew chief had some like cheapo dar tree. We forgot the headsets too. So we stopped at dar tree on the way to the track. This sounds got, like dirt to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we stopped at the dar tree and got some yes. like cheapo like um, earbuds you couldn't speak or like hear worth of uh, poop. Uh, there we go. Whatever appropriate here. Um... So I'm screaming to my crew chief. I'm like, I gotta pee, I gotta pee. And he's like, what, what? I'm like, I gotta pee. He, and I heard something about your dad said, if you gotta pee, and then it was all static from there. It was, I got to the other side of the track. There was walkie-talkies, more than 50 feet. But yeah, so turns out it was 200 or two hours or 200 out because everyone came first. Nobody wears a race receiver on a Saturday night either, though. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was, tr- I was done. They don't know the word mandatory. Oh. <laughs> I was down there in Isom for that race I was talking about. We were in the heat race, and we go green for the heat race. And I'm in the race receiver, and they're like, all right, caution, caution, we're calling it back. And um, two laps later, I'm just here cruising, right? I'm like, okay, no one's really stopping. Also, I know, I had to get destroyed from behind. Here are the leaders free wide behind me. <laughs> Apparently, caution never came out. Um, but he's the dude sat on the race table for three laps, screaming caution, caution. No one stopped but me and the, the other dude running second to last. <laughs> and so I come in, that whole right rear cord panel is destroyed. And it's still destroyed to this day. Um, but we're waiting uh, to get uh, new uh, body parts for an icebreaker. We're, you know, we're figuring we're going to tear something up at practice. We're just going to wait till the icebreaker to put, you know, you're right. We're let's let's just say, I, I think Mullins Racing, you know, they listen to this. I think they really need to consider spray painting the car. They do. Yes. They do. Yes. I think Rustolium yes. needs to get on board. It's, yes. on, it's like, on their TikTok. Yes. They we, raced a, um, the practice, that's a practice car down in January. Uh, Willie ran an all black three car. And they spray painted it black. It's on their TikTok. And they had like Dale Earnhardt three font and everything. They were waiting for a season to assist. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they got one or not. Um, they were waiting for one, though. But um, that's one thing I love about the Mullins Racing. Great people. But they're real people. Yes. Know? So when you were down there talking to Diana, you know, a wife of Willie. And um, she goes, you know, I think we found like the greatest people we could have partnered up with for this. And I'm like, that's awesome. And she goes, because, you know, not that I, I don't know if I can repeat exactly what she said, but some of the lines of, you know, you guys understand the stupidness of, you know, what goes on. And she goes, you guys get it. You know, you're, you're used to it. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to all the drama. I'm used to all this, you know, redneck engineering. You know, I'm, I'm used to it also. That was cool. Well, brother, we are at it. I do want to point okay, out. Okay, go ahead. I don't think John Gill finished his first ARCA race at, at Daytona. Who? John Gill. No idea who that is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> History lesson. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. You don't know who Jimmy Buffett is? No, you didn't come across that? I think there's a whole radio station at <laughs> <in> North <laughs> Vernon to Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't find that. Your two hours. has a whole... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we, John Gill was a great late model driver mm-hmm. at one time. Dominated Brownstown for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. First time he raced an arca race at Daytona, he got crashed out. So I would say you outdid him. Yep. So. I'm like the next Scott Bloom question, huh? Yeah. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> no, now, it, Scott did drive a NASCAR truck at Eldora, though. See, that's yes. the one thing I'm that kind yeah. of, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm just saying that any camping road truck teams, you know, Ty Carpenter has a truck right at yeah. Knoxville. And he I was, don't, I he, don't know who that is. Yeah. I was down there at the test. Not that Tyler Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I was down there at the test. I'm just saying I was faster than the Tyler. Just yes, point I out. saw that. Yes. Yeah. Now, here, here's the best part about that. And then again, Tyler never had a draft. I did draft with his partner, Dean Thompson, at one point. But he was down there on Saturday, but not the Friday. And I was at the driver's meeting, and uh, I'm just walking away from the driver's meeting. And uh, I'm walking back to the garage. The garage is down there. Huge, too. I'm just walking back. I turn around. I see Tyler Carpenter behind me. I'm like, oh, my God. That's Tyler F. and Carpenter, you know? I say. He, he could probably give you a lesson in crash drafting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I turn around. I said, you're Tyler F. and Carpenter. I don't say F. But he goes, oh, yeah, what's up? I said, you know, this is all, you know I've raced against him a lot, especially down in Richmond and Iceland. Mm-hmm. And. I'm like, hey, I'm the driver to 13 Gold Digger. Normally, that me by like the app seven, but uh, I know they don't see me much. But he goes, oh, that's cool, yeah. 
And the, I go, yeah, I'm here with the Mullins in the three car. And he goes, oh, that's so cool. And he goes, got any pointers? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, Tyler Carpenter, the Tyler Carpenter, not the other Tyler Carpenter, the Tyler Carpenter is sitting there like asking me for pointers. I'm like, um, yeah. He goes, he goes like, do you really full throttle all three? Because this was the first time he'd ever been on asphalt. He goes, like, do you full throttle 100% of the time? I'm like, 100% of the time. If you lift, you're not going, you know, fast enough, I guess. And um, I said, actually, if you lift in the Elmar Motors there, they are, like, they have, like, some weird programming. They'll um, retard the timing. If you're, like, in and out, in and out, because they think something's wrong with the car. Uh, so I'm like, you have to be 100% of the time. And I'm like, the steering, the steering wheel, and like, in a dirt car, you're real quick and back and forth. In those cars, it's, you know, five, six degrees, maybe. Even in the banking. I mean, it is super, like, like real... I guess not. Slow. I guess it'd be. I guess slow steering. I guess is. I don't know. Um, but yeah. And I was actually wearing Hey Dudes yeah. at the time. I had a strap <laughs> in my pocket. I'm like, Hey, quick question. This is kind of stupid. I'm like, Can you sign my Hey Dudes? And uh, he's like, Yeah, sure. It's awesome. So I have uh, now Hey Dude autographed uh, by hey, Tyler Carpenter. Yeah, I wore them all weekend down there at Daytona. They're my lucky Hey Dudes. I I just want I just want to point this out just just for the historian in the room. <laughs> this is where we have hit. In late model races, which is really cool, honestly. He he just knew Tyler Effing Carpenter, but not John Gill. Like we have hit that level yeah, of, yeah. of movement. Yeah. Um, and that's not that. That's just that's. I know Ray Gotti, Papa Ray. I know Ray. Oh yeah. And the, I I know him because my dad made me come downstairs at like two o'clock in the morning. I was like grabbing some chocolate milk. He goes, "Son, come here." I'm like, "What?" He goes, "I found this video of Ray Gotti." Getting the wind stolen from him, like Arizona, nineteen eighty nine or something like that. Something like a long time ago. Long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and um, I say, and um, my dad. Uh, we, we, we were at Circus City. I like him more and more. <laughs> I cannot wait to get yeah. to talking Browns now. <laughs> we, we were at Circus City, and my dad got up the Ray Gotti's ever Britain. They were good friends with Britain. He helped us out a ton. That's also a huge shout out. If it wasn't for Britain, you actually take advice from him. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that. I was gonna say he, he's actually giving us a lot of like good uh, setup advice, and, and you just go the opposite way. Yeah, whatever he says, do opposite. <laughs> say, but that yeah, he's definitely helped us out a lot. And um, but the, the we, bed for Blue Devil. Yeah, we walk up in the uh, the got to trailer and Papa Ray sitting there. My dad goes, Papa Ray, and he goes, Hi, how's it going? And my dad goes, Oh, you know, I'm uh, Dane. He goes. I got to ask you about that race in Arizona in 1987. He goes, that, and he starts cussing out. They stole that race from me. He knew exactly off the top of the head. He goes, the promoter's son was, you know, what's that again? They said he was, the, he got them all worked up. And I'm like, I, I'm going to go back to our pit and get a Gatorade, Dad. You have fun here, you know? All right, brother. We are well, Rockcrest is going to have a John Kill gla- uh, Classic for the super late models this yes. year. So. Maybe you can win a race with a guy you don't even know. Uh, so. you know I, mean, I run a lot of memorial races, and I've always worn. Well, he's not a memorial. He's still alive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, not that John Gill. Yeah. The live yeah. John he, he Gill. Just, he's just coon hunting now. That's, uh, <laughs> I've run like, a lot of like, tribute and like, memorial races, and I've always worried I'm going to get out. I'm like I'm gonna have no idea who's the tribute to you. So uh, I am looking forward to the CJ Rayburn memorial race here at Circle City. I know we're having that. Uh, yeah. Easter Sunday, I believe. So. We're going rolling pretty deep there in, uh, in memory of CJ, so that's going to be pretty cool. I know who CJ is, the CJ, not the other CJ. But I think Christian's <laughs> in this, which are also, he's Christian Jordan, so he's, he's, he's you know, yeah. young CJ. 
We are at an hour and fifteen minutes, Whew. and I have I what, have what was, what was CJ's real name? Carl. Carl what? <laughs> Junior. No. Jerome. Carl, <laughs> yeah, he owns all those burger places. Carl <laughs> Junior. <laughs> I we're great. I'm just gonna be honest. I have not laughed this hard for an hour and fifteen minutes in a long, long time. And and I'm gonna go back. I've to, not felt this old in a long, long time. <laughs> you didn't feel like that when you got out of bed this morning. No, uh, he knows how to beat a guy down, man. That's, I uh, I I just I, I'll be I'll go back to it, man. We we appreciate you, man. We're fans of you. Um, love how real you are. Don't ever change it. And and Don't play on it. Let the let the haters hate. Yep. Um, you proved them wrong, and and yeah. keep going, man. And and I I just want to say again, um, and I meant what I said at the beginning. I never thought I would be sitting here the weekend after the Daytona 500, <laughs> the week after the Daytona 500, and the Arca race, and everything down there, and and say I'm I'm interviewing a guy in person that just finished 13th That's place like four days later. Yeah, yeah, and and so I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your family, what you guys bring. Um, you're always welcome back here at any point in time. 100%. I love talking. Do you put a microphone in front of me? If I ever win a future at Brownstown, you're going to have to, like, if we're live on, like, Dirt 2 Media, you're going to have to, like, set, like, a delay. Like, tell fans we'll be back in 30 minutes, and then we can start the next Oh, feature. no, we're staying yeah. live. Yeah. We're, 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 we're staying rolling. live. And, and it, you pick up that feature when, if, if we got the whole trailer there, we're doing a post-race show, yep. you come on up and we'll, we'll celebrate. I want to be main. I was the only one on track because everyone wrecked out in the heat races, but I want to be main. I, okay, I lie. Brent Gotti was there, but two cars advanced, and it was we were the only two that made it. And I started in front of Brent on the first, and I don't know who the lady is in the tower. She screams a lot. I'm sure you know her. Um, <laughs> she, she needs to quiet down a little bit. That artist needs to turn the volume down. <laughs> Uh, okay, is she in here? Is she, is she in here? <laughs> <laughs> He's not in here. He's looking around. But oh, I was saying, I, <laughs> I would have the volume up, like pretty loud on the headset, and this is like start screaming. I don't understand what they're saying. Um, but she comes across. She goes, "Hey, uh, do you guys know two cars advance, right?" And me and Brenton were like, "Yeah." And she goes, do you guys know how many of you are out here? I look at my hands for a second. I look over at Britain. Stick me on my two fingers up the window. She goes, all right, you guys can go back to the pits. And I sat here. I'm like, I really want to do donuts. <laughs> so we didn't turn a single green flag of that. I wanted to go around the track and start doing donuts for winning this B-Main. We didn't turn a single green flag of that in. And I'm like, you know what? No, my luck, I'll probably pop the motor. I think we went out in the feature that night and popped the motor. So probably good to all that. That was to say, but all right. Well, guys, uh, again, thank you so much for coming down. We appreciate you, and uh, uh, we'll be back. Um, I don't know how we follow this one up. I feel like we should retire, uh, yeah. but uh, guys, I mean, check out all of uh, Bray. And I, I'm I'm going to open this up, and I'm afraid to because it'll probably end up being another ten minutes. But. At least. I'm going to give you 60 seconds okay. to give out your social media. All right, Facebook, we got Brayton Laster Motorsports because Laster Motorsports is too complicated for Facebook. I have Instagram, the one, the only, the pizza man. I like pizza. Twitter is the one, pizza man. I'm on Reddit, uh, at uh, Brayton Laster, TikTok, at Brayton Laster. And uh, that's uh, pretty much it. We have a website. BraytonLaster.com. Yeah, BraytonLaster.com. What's yes. your YouTube? 
Uh, Brighton After Motorsports okay. is also YouTube, uh, which this upcoming season preparing a lot of vlogs for. Uh, I wreck a lot. They like watching uh, me wreck and like the inside scoop of why we wrecked. Uh, I get on there pretty in depth. So. All right, guys. So go give him a follow. I'm telling you, you will not uh, be disappointed. And thanks, everybody, who uh, joined us again. Thank you guys to Blaster Motorsports and uh, Brayton Laster uh, for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll be back better than ever. Thanks, guys. Jeez.